old The weather outside is not that cold And if you take my hand, I'll walk with you to Georgia Hello and welcome to Country with Celine. Today we are joined by some Canadian power Gotta love my Canadian girls Miss Karen Lee Ben. I don't wanna give up easy like that Is it too late to take the words back? Are we too wrong to be on the right track? But we're too strong to give up like today? I'm doing so good. Thank you for having me on the show. It's awesome. Oh, anytime. Okay, so first things first, we have to talk about your latest single, Drinking Song. It is such a blast in the car, <laughs> badass, makes you want to dance and grab a drink, I should say. Song, like what, what was the story behind the release of that one? Oh man, you know, it was sort of funny because it wasn't like it was a big planned write. We, we, it's not like we had like a writer's session. It was actually a couple of buddies of mine that I said, hey, do you want to just like go, I have a, we have a bit of a holiday home in the Okanagan. And I said, do you want to go there and just chill out for a couple of days and like no pressure, not in a room, not on a timeline. Let's just, you know, do some write <laughs> as my dog makes noise over there. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, and let's just do some writing. And, um, and so it was funny because I don't usually write about past relationships. It's not like the first thing on my list. I mean, I pull from past situations, but it's not something where I'm, you know, like that's the first thing that comes to mind. Because mm -hmm. um, I, I don't, I guess I feel like when you write about past relationships, sometimes it like comes out sad or mad and that really isn't my focus. Like let bygones be bygones kind of idea. And my buddy, Jeff Johnson, who's one of the co-writers along with Mitch Merritt on this song, he goes, just, you know, tell me about, like, what happened over there? So I started in, you know, describing a couple of things, you know, and starting out how we met down to, you know, how it ended. And he goes, you're kidding me right now. That happened? And then, like, that happened? And I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. We are writing about this. And I went, okay, well, as long as it's not mad or sad, let's see what we can come up with. And, um, and so when we started writing, I thought, you know what? This is exactly how I would want to talk about that situation. Like, even though stuff is hard, you know, in times, it's good to be able to look back and be able to kind of say that's over. And now I'm now I'm able to talk about it like this. And I think it's a reminder that, you know, hard times do pass and uh, sometimes they feel like intolerable in the moment. But you can look back and be able to kind of go, OK, I'm past that now. And now I can kind of, you know, Think about just having a drink over it, grabbing a couple of girlfriends and laughing a little bit at the past, you know. When the back gets the best of you, there's a honky tonk bar that'll get you through. Drown the hurt in the drink, tell they just sing along. Pour it strong, yeah, pour it on strong. I need a melody to sing when things go wrong. I'm sure that's what a lot of girls or guys have been doing to this song, right? And now with the release of Drinking Song, should we expect an EP anytime soon, an album coming out? What's going on? Yeah, so we released one other track in October um, in 2020 called Too Strong. That one along with this one. And right now I believe there's two more, maybe three more on the horizon uh, to be released. And uh, I think the EP scheduled for the fall of 2021. So like coming up here and later on in the year. So oh, that's so exciting. 
That's so exciting. I can't wait to hear the other two songs that you're going to be releasing. Now, talking about the latest one, well, not the latest one, the one before that, back in October, Too Strong. I noticed that Chad Kroger was a writer on that track. I'm a Nickelback fan. I like. Yeah. I, I don't understand why people don't like them. It bothers me. Okay, so I have to ask, how, how was that experience with him? You know, one thing I'll say, touching on what you just said, I think knowing who Chad is, I think people would change, it would change their mind. You know, I mean, that guy, I mean, everybody goes through their stages and I'm not going to speak for him or his past or any of that jazz, but everybody goes through their stages where at some point, I'm pretty sure that you, you know, not necessarily everybody liked what you were doing, whether it be drinking or whatever you might want to partake in or something that you might have said or, you know, but when you're in the limelight like that and you're a rock star that young, um, you know, I mean, yeah, who knows what all of us would have done, you know? So um, I know that a lot of people kind of go, I don't really like his music, fine, whatever. But I get, I, I bet you this, you could probably play 10 of them that you could sing along to right now. So whether you like his music or not, you know their music, you know? So um, getting to know Chad has been awesome. You know, I mean, I met him years, years ago. Um, he probably would never remember it. And I probably was just trying not to fangirl at the time. Um, and, and then fast forward, it was kind of a little bit of a six degrees of separation where I was doing a fundraiser at a house, a, um, buddies around the corner and they were doing a fundraiser and Chad was invited and he was there and it was a very close-knit um, trying to raise a lot of money in a short period of time for somebody who had lost a family member and um, he was there and I was asked to do uh, three songs along with a couple other artists on the 604 label which he's a part of and um, he came up to me afterwards in front of the entire crowd and grabbed my phone and put his number in my phone and said, we are going to work together at some point. So sometimes as an artist, and I think a lot of artists can relate to this, stuff like that can happen and then become nothing, you know, and sometimes you might, you know, get a, get a message from somebody going, I can make you something big and I know this person and that person and whatever. And, you know, and sometimes it works, but a lot of times nothing becomes of it. So when he did that, I thought to myself, Karen, I know you're independent. I know that you're the one that's going to be speaking for yourself on this and you are not going to let this die. <laughs> you are going to hold him to this. So I would throw him the odd text message over like the next four months or so and say, Hey, so about your message. So when are we going to do that? Or when are we going to work together? You know, this sort of thing. And he always responded right away. And next thing you know, I said, um, or he, he had mentioned come to my house for a meeting. So I pull up to his house <laughs> for a meeting which he's right around the corner from where I am. And uh, we had a great meeting and he set me up um, with Jeff Johnson, who's a local producer, who I've known for years, but I've never worked alongside yet. And he just went, I really think he's the guy for the project that you're working on. Now, we went to Chad's house to record Drinkin' Song. Oh, wow. and, and one of the other songs that we have written for this project. And the next morning we all wake up and we're about to go into this next song. And um, I said to Chad, last night, Jeff and I were just sitting around, just chatting. We came up with this and we had come up with the chorus for Too Strong and a little bit of noodling outside of that. And Chad just went, 
okay, we're not going to work on that right now. We're going to finish this song. So that's how he ended up being a writer on the track is we all sat around the next morning drinking like Bailey's coffee <laughs> and, and chatted about Too Strong. And the four of us, Mitch, Jeff, Chad, and I all put um, our input into it and finished Too Strong. So we basically wrote it and had the first scratch recording of it in about a 12-hour period all at Chad's house. <laughs> That's an awesome story. And I mean, it all circles back to that moment when you met him. If you haven't like met him and he didn't grab his phone, I mean, grab your phone and put his number, that would have really right. come to light. Wow. See, things happen for a reason. I'm a strong believer in that. And that was meant to happen. You guys were meant to release that song too strong. And oh, I feel house, like that too. Yeah. And his house more like a freaking mansion, I'm assuming. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. yeah. The plaques on the wall would take you all day to read them all. I'm just like, oh my word, it's crazy. I, when I first pulled up to his house, he was actually in our vehicle with us, my husband and I, after going to this party, he goes, let's go back to my place and, you know, we'll chat more. And so a few people, you know, his buddies and my husband and I end up back at his house that night. And, um, and I, we pull up, First, he puts in the code, and and I thought it was going to be like you know when your friends in the back seat and you're going through the you know bank machine drive-through, and of course you roll down the back window and let them put their password in. You know, we we roll up, and uh, and I said, oh Mike, just pull forward, my husband Mike, just pull forward and roll down the back window, and he goes, oh no 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 no, here's the password. And he goes, just remember it anytime you want to come over, and I'm going. <laughs> it was really cute. He's just that person. He's so generous and he's so humble and he does not act like a superstar that he is. And uh, when we pulled up to his house, I looked, I looked at him in the back seat and I said, man, it must suck to really have, you know, a bunch of hit singles. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, really? It's tough. <laughs> oh, my God. oh God. The amount of hit singles he's had. Oh God. What a career he's had. Totally. And Right? Oh, that's great. That's an awesome experience. Wow, I would I would love to be in your shoes right now. Yeah. Um, okay, now talking about you again. Um, in 2014, you released an album called Cause a Scene. And now the song on the album, Cause a Scene, I watched that video and I got straight before he cheats vibes, like Carrie Underwood vibes. <laughs> So were you inspired by like Carrie Underwood or this? What was the story behind that one? Because it was so interesting the way that whole story was like, um, what's that word that I'm looking for? Presented. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think honestly where that song came from for me to put that on the record, I had had a little bit of a break in between my record before that one and the cause of scene record. And I think I had just had something to say, you know, it was one of those moments where I was like, I had gone through, funny enough, I had gone through the relationship that inspired drinking song. <laughs> and, and then there was this little bit of a hiatus where I needed to kind of just, you know, think about stuff. And, um, you know, I took a little bit of a break from the music industry. Um, not too long that, that it was all forgotten, but, you know, enough that people kind of went, is she still here or not? But sometimes, you, you know, you need to kind of rethink and recircle back to, you know, what matters. And I feel like that album for me was one of those where I had something to say because now it was coming back with a bang. And so when, when Cause a Scene came up, um, 
I had asked my buddy Stefano Barberis, who has been director of the year in BC and Canada many, many times. Um, and I said, what would be your vision on this? And so he wrote me back a synopsis on the video. And then within the synopsis was like, and then we're going to blow up a car. <laughs> and I thought, and, I, and then he says, you're going to have a flamethrower and you're going to be, and I'm thinking all of this just totally, I can see it. And yes, I want all of that to happen. video you know I mean I did not I could never come up with a vision I mean that's why he does what he does right I could never come up with a vision like he did and I had asked some friends around the corner from me um, knowing that they had this beautiful property and they had said to me before you know anytime and so again I you know said well they said it so I'm gonna follow up with that promise and asked um, friends of mine hey can I still use your property and they were totally fine with it so we shot the whole thing on uh, on friends land and blew up that car on the friend's land and i mean people might judge this which is totally fine i'm good with it the main character in the video the bride is actually wearing my first wedding dress <laughs> oh my god i love I that that is oh my god wow that's smart that you thought of that to incorporate that into the music video that puts a twist on it <laughs> it was kind of funny because Stefano had said to me, okay, here are the props that we're going to be looking for and here are the things we need to find. And I'm reading down the list and I'm thinking, I know that's maybe not all that appropriate, but I'm okay with that. So I offered it to him and he goes, really? And I go, well, I mean, no one's really going to know unless I say it out loud. And I didn't really back then, but I mean, again, bygones be bygones. So let's talk more about you. Let's get into where did you grow up? How you got into music? Who were your musical influences? So I grew up in Abbotsford, British Columbia. So that right now is about 30 minutes east of where I live right now. So I live about 30 minutes east of Vancouver. So it kind of places me in the middle. Um, and I went to school there all the way up until first year university. And then actually I took a year and a half, two years, and I moved to Ontario. So I lived in Toronto. Oh. And um, I got a scholarship before I left. I got a scholarship to Humber College for alto saxophone. And then I came home and sang at a girlfriend's wedding and was smitten by a groomsman. <laughs> I was like 19 or something. And I totally screwed the scholarship and just left Toronto and came home. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's so funny in life. You think about all the whys in the road, you know, like, had I not done that, what would my life have looked like had I stayed out there? And, you know, but, but anyways, here I am. Um, and so after that, um, I went on, well, I was doing a little bit of music. I was kind of hosting some karaoke shows and doing stuff like that and having some small local shows with bands. And it was just getting my feet wet in the music industry, you know, as a solo performer. Prior to that, it was always choirs and things like that. 
Um, and then I went on Canadian Idol and that was something that I never thought that I would do. I had watched American Idol and thought, um, I'm not a reality TV person. You know, I can sit here and enjoy and laugh and support and whatever, but I just didn't want to be that person that other people laughed at. <laughs> like, what if I did something crazy or whatever? And, um, and I remember when Canadian Idol, the ad came on for the first time, all of a sudden my phone started to bang off and I'm like, oh gosh, what? And I'm yeah. getting messages from my mother and friends and people going, you really got to do this. And I thought, am I really going to do this? So that started the Canadian Idol journey. And I remember getting in the top 200 and thinking this is crazy. And then all of a sudden fast forward and the top 10 happened, which is even more crazy. And coming off of that show, um, I got invited to go to a country music festival by a girlfriend at country was not my focus. I thought I would be in like rock with a, like a little blues flair. Um, but I got invited to this country music festival and I said, no, <laughs> and then my girlfriend went, but the guys are super good looking and they're all wearing like Wranglers and white tank top. And I'm like, well, okay, well, this is sounding a little bit better. <laughs> and I think I was like, I was either 19 or 20 at that point. And, um, and so I ended up going up to this festival and on the way, on the highway, I realized that the radio wasn't going to work anymore and I was going to lose my rock station. So all that was left was the mixed CD of all the artists playing at the Merritt Mountain Music Festival. So by the time I got there, I had memorized like one song from all these different artists. So Leanne Rhymes is on stage and I all of a sudden could like sing half a song or Dixie Chicks and I'm going, what is wrong with me? And my girlfriend starts laughing. She goes, you were listening to my mixtape. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. And that was what got me into country music. I, um, I started um, loving Aaron Burchett and loving his singles and what he was putting out. And he was a local guy and my girlfriends all thought he was like a babe. And so um, <laughs> they wanted to follow him around and, uh, and I did not object to that. So we ended up, well, basically, honestly, being like the little Bettys and we would follow him around from bar to bar over, you know, the court, like we might see him like three times in a month or something. But he, um, I guess he, maybe I said something to him or somebody else said that girl can sing and she knows, you know, a couple country songs. So he started to get me up on stage at like the local bars, Gabby's and Roosters in Boone County out here. And um, anytime I would come there, he was awesome. And he'd go, Hey, we got Karen Lee Batten coming up. She's going to sing a couple songs. It was like the same two songs the whole time. It was like a Jessica Andrews song and like Lace, which back then was called Lace. Now it's Beverly Mahood which is hilarious that I used to sing those two songs all the time on and on and on. And then eventually my set list got a little bit larger, <laughs> thankfully, and I got my own band and that's kind of the history of country music for me. That's so interesting. So you weren't even a fan of country music growing up. You were more rock and roll type of girl. And then going to the festival changed all that because all you had to listen to in the car was country music. I love totally. that. You know, and listening to you sing, you have the country music in you. I mean, you could always branch out and do rock and roll. You can still do both. I mean, look at Garth Brooks. He had that double personality. Totally. And it is weird to think that I didn't sing country on that show. Like, I liked country, but country wasn't where I thought my career would go. Mm -hmm. And one day when I was singing, somebody said to me, you have got a country voice. You need to sing country. And I thought, really? 
and then I and then I started to you know try it out or whatever. And um, the industry, what I love too about country is the industry is very, it's very welcoming. And um, you know when a new artist does come forward, um, and even to this day I feel like it's like that. You know when a new artist does come forward, you you do get the country music family that will really welcome them in and and try and you know um, pump them up and tell them you know advice and and just kind of you know what to do to help them out. I really still feel feel that way. I mean there's drama in every industry, so it's not perfect, but um, but I do feel like. If you're, you know, starting out, there are lots of uh, lots of people ready to help, you know, in this industry. And I sure felt that when I was starting out in country, for sure. Well, I mean, there's drama in every family as well, right? Totally. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And you got to perform at a lot of festivals now. You, you're well aware of, of the whole industry, the whole scene. You got to also perform the national anthem at sporting events and the most recent one was at the Vancouver Canucks so to ask I have to ask this do you ever get nervous when you perform the national anthem I do I tell myself that it's excited <laughs> that's what I've kind of you know I mean even even national anthems or big stages, you know, tons of people staring back or even, I mean, sometimes it, you have more people behind a camera. And so, you know, there could be no one in an audience and you just have a camera looking at you kind of like the national anthem, especially right now. Like, I mean, when I used to do the national anthem for the Canucks, you know, prior to COVID, it's a full arena. And so, you know, you're, everyone's staring at you and you're, you're on the spot. It's very weird now you know, standing there on like the second level, no one's in the arena at all. And the only people are coaches, team and Rogers arena staff. And, um, and so that's a really weird feeling to kind of look in the camera and know that like no one's here. So it feels like no one's watching, but there's a lot of people behind that camera watching. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily get nervous. Um, I don't want to be that person to ever forget the words, knock on wood. It has not happened yet. Thank goodness. Um, I don't plan on getting on skates to sing the anthem anytime soon. Cause I'm also not going to trip over the red carpet. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, the only thing I won't do, I'll rehearse it a couple of times, like outside, um, before I come, come onto the little stage there. But the only thing I don't do is stand there prior and run the song in my head because if I forget that first line, like you're dead, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you psych yourself out too. The more times you practice something, you think you're doing something good for yourself when really you're just making you mess up even more when it comes time to perform. Yeah. You think you think too much. Yeah, exactly. I've been there, done that with broadcasting. So I know how that feels and it does not. I bet. <laughs> I bet. And now, Karen, before I let you go, we're going to play a little game like called Country with Selene Rapid Fire. So I'm going to shoot you out a couple of questions, really random questions, and okay. just answer them, and we'll take it from there. Perfect. Okay, so the first one is, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you want to live? Oh, I do love BC. I really do love where I live, and I say that all the time. Um, I have really loved Australia, though, and mm -hmm. so that would be, like, the furthest away, but if I had... Third, we have a place in the Okanagan, which I also love, but if I had a, like a holiday house somewhere, I would pick Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. 
be really it's, nice. <laughs> it's close enough to here where you can like be on the beach in three and a half, four hours, you know? So I love that, that you can like leave your house in the morning and be laying on the beach in the afternoon. And close enough that I would be able to come back here fairly quickly to see the rest of my family. And, you know, I could do six months there and then come home for a bit or they could come visit. <laughs> that sounds like it would be a really nice life. Six months in the heat and then come right back to Canada where the cold is. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and what would you say is your favorite show to binge watch? Oh, you're going to laugh at this one. I had this question a few days ago and I laughed too. And I'm like, oh, do I even tell them? <laughs> I want to know now. I, so I just finished, which was badass and awesome. I just finished uh, Breaking Bad and Sons of Anarchy, which are, I mean, those are great and amazing. And then because way back I had watched Nashville, you know how in your Netflix it says, because you watch this, we suggest you watch that it suggested that I watch Heartland. And so I started on Heartland, not knowing how many seasons it was. And I got to like, I got into episode one. I thought this looks really like old filming. Like I've just probably been around for a while because this it's not as clear as it normally is on our crazy TVs now, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then I watched, you know, episode two. Now I'm kind of locked in a little bit. And then I'm on to episode three and I thought, I don't know, I like it, but you know, yeah, I guess I'll keep going. And then I looked at how many seasons and I'm like, oh, it's 13 seasons. That's great. <laughs> I mean, your mother, my mother would love it. <laughs> you know, and I actually said to my husband, he goes, what is this? And I go, hey, do not diss Heartland just because it's PG because of the odd drink. That's, I think that's literally why it's PG. I'm like, don't diss it. It's really good. He goes, ah, and I go, hey, you watch The Walking Dead. And I just, that's not for me. Anytime I hear that noise, it makes me think of that suction cup at the dentist. I'm like, what are they even doing? I don't even get it. But um, everybody has their different reasons for watching whatever, right? I called my mom and I said, I'm watching this series and I think you're really going to like it. Just, oh, really, honey? Well, well, what is it? Like, that's how she sounds. She's so sweet. Well, what is it? And I said, Oh, it's called Heartland. She goes, oh, sweetie. Yeah, Ron and I already finished that. <laughs> 13 seasons later. I'm on season, I'm on, or yeah, season 11, episode four. I'm like, this, I need to finish this and be done with it. Um, another question I have is, I've gotten asked this question when I applied for a job. I'm pretty sure you might have gotten this if you've applied for a job somewhere, which I'm sure you have. Um, it's, if you had to describe yourself as an animal, which animal would you be? Um, I, oh gosh, I immediately think of a cartoon. I don't even know why that happened in my mind, but I, um, I would be Tigger. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't even know why. As soon as you said animal, I'm like, oh, cartoon. Um, yeah, I'd be Tigger, not because of the orange, <laughs> but because I'm a bit of a... A bit of a bouncy person. I kind of bounce all over the place, you know, and um, a bit of a firecracker. And I don't rest often unless I'm made to, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of always like I've got my feet in and my hands in like eight different things. And sometimes it's a good thing and sometimes it's a really bad thing because you got to complete and keep going and then complete and keep going. And, you know, your schedule can get stacked. But and I remember during COVID, 
Yeah, I remember during COVID, there was a point where I was just kind of sitting on the couch for a couple of days. And then I thought, oh, my word, Karen, you can't do this. Like you're going to, you're going to easily get into a really deep funk if you just kind of sit here and, and feel down about like not being able to perform, not being able to, you know, go on a radio tour, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're releasing stuff and whatever. And so I got up and I started a company. (laughs) So that's the Tigger in me, you know, like I can't help it. And it's, it's definitely not a, like a shout out or a promotion or anything, but it was just, I had a, I have lots of different passions and um, I like making organic. So I like making, oh, this is mine. I like making lip balms. Oh, and oh. <laughs> and bar, so- bar soaps and foaming hand soaps and hand sanitizer and most of it's organic other than the hand sanitizer that clearly needs alcohol and yeah. it's called Earthia and now I have a hundred different over a hundred different products that I hand make at home when I'm not doing other things. <laughs> I like that. See, there's two different types of people. There's the people who will just weep and moan and say, oh, COVID this, COVID that. And then there's the doers who say, you know what? I'm going to make something out of this. And I'm going to go do this, do that. Keep myself occupied. Keep yourself going. Do stuff now that benefits your future, right? Totally. And I can completely understand both sides. And I absolutely had moments of weeping and moaning. Like 100% (laughs) sat around and thought, I don't have to get out of bed today. So I'm just not, you know, I mean, I've had those for sure. I've had moments where I'm like, maybe I shouldn't go on to the second bottle of wine. Ah, what the hell? You know, (laughs) had those too. Um, But yeah, I think it's exactly what you just said. I think it's good to just kind of go, but um, let's do all these things as well and just keep ourselves going and be able Mm -hmm. to have things that you know, feel successful and find new successes in the small things and, you know, whatever that may be. Now's the time to try out something. If you've, if you've thought about trying something, try it now, (laughs) you know. I know, try it now because this time will never really get back. I mean, it's been a year like this. If you live in Canada, a freaking year like this. It's, I know. And it is hard. It's hard to look elsewhere right now especially Mm -hmm. as the U.S. is opening back up and we've seen what New Zealand has been able to do and you know and I'm going oh my gosh like hurry up (laughs) it's honestly so heartbreaking sometimes to watch the videos in Miami of them all clubbing and then now in Nashville and in Australia I'm like I know (laughs) I know it's okay we'll we'll have our time we'll have our time (laughs) eventually we will get there and yeah. the last one is, what would you sing at karaoke night? Hmm. That's a good one. I, my go-to song is always at last. Ooh. I love always. And, and I still, like when my husband and I go on a trip, we, I don't even, it's like a vortex. We find a karaoke bar no matter where we are. It's hilarious. So we'll be in like, we'll be in California, we'll be in, you know, Las Vegas, we'll be whatever it is, Mexico, whatever it is, we'll somehow, somehow (laughs) magnet to a karaoke bar and I'll do at last. And then if I've got the opportunity to do another, it's usually me and Bobby McGee. And um, I might, depending on the whiskey, I might do I Will Always Love You because that was like, the very first song I ever used to do at karaoke competitions way back, like 17, 18 kind of idea was I Will Always Love You, Whitney Houston. So 
funny enough, I haven't really mentioned any country yet, <laughs> but I, I did though, however, yesterday we were doing some recording and I covered um, a Brothers Osborne song. So that was a new one for me. And, um, and we were able to do a few other ones too. So I can't wait to get those out on YouTube because um, we don't have a whole lot of acoustic stuff on YouTube. So those would probably be the handful of songs that I, that I would get up and do. I, mean, those are, <laughs> I like that question. <laughs> those are iconic songs. So I mean, of course you would go and gravitate towards singing one of those songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be exciting to hear the covers that you have coming out soon with Brother, Os Brother Osborne. I don't know why I couldn't say that for a second. I couldn't say it yesterday either. I actually had to go take two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on Country with Celine Karen. You're such a hoot. I love your personality. You're so bubbly. And if You're I so mention, cute. Thank you. If I should mention one thing, though, I really hope that maybe in the future sometime, there's a song that gets released featuring Chad Kroger. Or maybe you can go on a Nickelback track, you know? Come on, we're gonna get that happening. <laughs> you, you put that out there to the universe and see, see if it bounces back. I'm all for it. <laughs> I will manifest it for you, don't you worry. <laughs> But thank you again, and I can't wait to hear the rest of your EP that's going to be releasing by fall this year. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. You're the sweetest. <laughs> <laughs>